Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Welcome to day two of my kind of Christmas extravaganza thing. So every day between Christmas and New Year this year, I am talking for 10 to 15 minutes. Actually, it's looking a little bit more like 20 minutes every day on a subject which is something which people struggle with when it comes to gun dog training. So this is day two. And today's subject is my dog chases game. Or I guess any other animals you could replace game with there. So that's today's subject. Now, before we get on to the rest of the podcast, I just want to remind you guys that starting from today... The 26th of December, there is a sale on on my website, forcefreegundog.com, and you can get 40% off with the discount code Happy Holidays 2023. That's Happy Holidays 2023. So I think if you have eagerly clicked on this podcast episode because you've seen the the title My Dog Chasers game, then you are probably hoping for a quick and easy solution or at least a solution. You're hoping that I'm going to say, do this thing and to immediately see that this is working. You know, it's a bit like if you've got a plumbing problem, you call a plumber and they come and do the thing, whatever it is, to your pipes and it's fixed. Or if you have an electricity problem, you call an electrician and they do the same thing with your electrics. It's the same thing with dog training. People often, you know, want the fix. They want the solution. And the the good news is that there is stuff that you can do, which I'll get back to in a minute. I don't call it the bad news, but the the stuff to sort of um, disillusion you <laughs> about is the fact that there is not going to be one quick, easy thing that you can implement, which is going to fix this one. It's much better to be aware of this as a problem from the first day you bring your new puppy home and to try to put everything in place that you possibly can to avoid it. I actually think when it comes to force-free training, that is one of the hallmarks of a good trainer is someone who looks ahead and can foresee all of the problems and all of the things that the dog might try to do, which they don't want the dog to try to do. And they can then put stuff in place before it's even started to become a sort of, you know, a glimmer in the dog's eye, as it were, that there's, that there's just stuff put in place to prevent it from ever happening, maybe even once. So it just never really snowballs. And I think that people who kind of struggle when it comes to training are often people who have not done that and unwanted behaviors have been allowed to be repeated again and again to the point where they become self-reinforcing and then you've got a bit of a problem. So that's why this is a difficult one to tackle because in saying my dog chases, we're not saying how do I stop a dog from ever chasing? We're sort of saying we have a problem and we want to not have 
this problem. And this is a particular problem, which is difficult because it's self-reinforcing. So, you know, the dog is chasing, obviously, because they love chasing because they they want to get the game. And that's inherently reinforcing. And they're just going to keep doing that. And often it's, it's a really powerful reinforcer as well. It's more reinforcing if you you know, gave a dog a choice. It's more reinforcing than any treats that you could give them or any any toys that you could play with. It's such a strong reinforcer. It has to be in a way because we want these dogs to want to go out there and find game. We want them to be driven to find game. That is what they're bred to do. And they'd be pretty rubbish as gun dogs if they, if they didn't do that. So, so we've kind of in breeding for that also created a bit of a, a, a training challenge as it were for ourselves particularly if we are force-free trainers. So let's kind of get into this because I've spent about four minutes now waffling a little bit and I haven't given you any solutions yet. And this is supposed to be 15 minutes long. (laughs) So the first thing I'm going to say is aim at teaching your dog a reliable recall off game. So to begin with, before you try and teach your dog to sit, to flush, or even to stop to flush, teach your dog to recall away from the thing that they flushed. Now, the reason for that is it's easier. It's easier because the dog's body and mind wants to move when they flush game. They are kind of primed to want to chase it. And if we can give them something else to run towards being us or maybe being a toy that we have, then that is more easily going to be able to replace the behavior that they want to do than just sitting there and watching the very tempting game retreat into the distance. (laughs) That is a very difficult um, thing for a dog to achieve. So so let's not set out with that as our first goal. Let's begin by teaching the dog to recall away from the game. And the, reason, the other reason why I like that is the dog is heading in a different direction. So even when we move on and we make this not recalling away from game, but, but stopping to flush or sitting to flush, the dog is kind of having moving away from that game thoughts because that's that's where this behavior started. They put game up and they were recalled back to you. They put game up and they were recalled back to you. So you kind of have a little bit of the dog thinking about or beginning to anticipate that they're about to be recalled. And that just helps you to get that kind of disconnection from the game, which is going to help you in turn end up with a dog that is not chasing, even when they're just stopping and they're just sitting and they're not recalling back to you anymore. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. I have talked about this in other episodes and I'll give you some other episodes to listen to in a minute. So that is my first tip. Um, I'm not going to go into how to train a reliable recall off game and all the rest of it, because that is going to be another of these podcast episodes. And so let's not do it all in one. But but be aware that a good thing to aim for is teaching a dog to recall off game in the first place. Another thing that it's good to aim for is building an alternative reinforcer. So that means, um, usually it means toys, because dogs, most dogs value food. And whilst you can improve food motivation, I've got some podcast episodes on that. um, I believe that you can do more in terms of conditioning a dog to enjoy toys than you can in terms of conditioning them to enjoy food. They kind of tend to like the food and want the food or not like the food and not want the food. And whilst you can influence that to some degree, I I think you can influence the toy side of things more. So spend time building toys as reinforcers. Now, one great toy that you can usually build into an extremely excellent reinforcer is a flirt pole. And whilst a flirt pole might seem a bit unwieldy and huge and not something you can easily take out to the field, you can get smaller flirt poles. By the way, a flirt pole is just a a kind of a soft, fluffy 
fleecy kind of tug tied on the end of a very long piece of string and whipped around on the floor so the dog can chase it and get it kind of thing. And this happens on cue only. So it's not something the dog can just chase when they decide to. So there is some, a lot of control involved in this game. And you probably want to check out my um, online course called Steady. Steady, S-T-E-A-D-Y, on my website, forcefreegundog.com. If you want to build toys as reinforcers, specifically flirt poles and tuggies, I think following this course is going to give you so much in terms of ideas for control at the point and at the flush of game, but it's also going to, in the process of doing that, it's going to build the toys as reinforcers so that you end up with this kind of double barreled effect because not only do you have all the control trained and just waiting to be transferred onto game, but you also have a very powerful reinforcer with the flirt pole and with the tugs, because you've been using those all, all throughout the course, the six-week steady course. So then you're ready, primed, with a really powerful reinforcer to take out to the field. So why do we want to spend time building an alternative reinforcer? Because game, as I just said, is super, super reinforcing. And if we can at least have something which functions as a reinforcer in the presence of game at the moment of the flush, then we are way ahead because that is the most difficult thing. We need something that the dog is prepared to work for at that moment, which isn't at first the retreating game. So so that's the next thing to say. Build an alternative reinforcer. Teach the dog, this is the third point, teach the dog that access to the game, the thing they really want, is contingent on their response. Now, this is the next step. So the first step is the dog... Let's just go through it step by step. The first step, as I said, is the recall off game. So this is step one. You will teach the dog to recall back to you and you'll give them a super amazing, tasty recall treat, as covered, by the way, in my reliable recall course on my website. That's the first stage. The next stage is you'll start to build an alternative reinforcer. And your main sort of challenge at that point is to get the dog into you and not into the game. So there may not be much behavior in terms of sit or wait or steadiness or anything like that happening at this point. You might just have a bird flushing and you doing all you possibly can to be really exciting with a flirt pole and to get the dog to play with you. That is all we want. The dog sees game flush, the dog plays with you. The dog sees game flush, the dog plays with you. The dog sees game flush, the dog plays with you. This is what we want. We want to break off the dog sees game flush and the dog chases the game. <laughs> so if we can get the dog into us at this really pivotal moment, this is a major step in the training process. So that's why we also need our alternative reinforcer, as I've been talking about. So th this next point, teach the dog that access to the game is contingent on their response. Well, that means that we're going to teach the dog if they really do want to get that bird or bunny, then they're going to be steady. They're going to show control. And if they can do that to our satisfaction, then they will get released to get the bird or the bunny. This, this is assuming that you shot it. Then that will become the reinforcer. Now, I'd suggest that you don't allow this chain to play out every single time or you'll get a dog anticipating that they're going to be released to go and get the, the thing. I also suggest that if you do let, let this play out, um, to the point where you send the dog to retrieve, that you have a very, very long delay before you send the dog to retrieve. So you really want to 
separate and, and not allow any sort of anticipation between a thing falls from the sky and the dog is sent to go and get it. You want to break that that chain at that point as much as you, as much as you possibly can. So you will. I think what works best really is just asking for a very prolonged sit stay. So you've got the dog just sitting there and waiting and you can reinforce that with food. If the dog is prepared to take food at this moment, you can stand on a long line if you want to prevent the dog from running in, verbally praise the dog, but you want to keep the dog sitting there for some prolonged amount of time. Sometimes even in in the region of five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, assuming, you know, the game has been shot. So you really want to make sure the dog is not anticipating going. And if the dog is able to wait a long time and be incredibly steady, then they can go and get the game. Not every time. Sometimes you might send another dog or you might walk over and pick it yourself. But but basically the thing you're trying to teach the dog is if you really want to get that thing, you have to do the thing that I'm asking you to do. So the dog becomes incredibly good <laughs> over over time. And once they've learned this, they become incredibly good at doing the thing we're asking them to do, which is to be steady, because they know that's the only way to get the thing they want. That's the only way to ever be sent to go and get the game is to do the thing that we want, which is for them to be steady. So that is step three. The other thing to say is prevention. Now, prevention is really important, but you can't just prevent and not be doing any of this other stuff. So by prevention, I mean having a long line on the dog, um, making sure that the dog isn't put in a position where they're going to be able to flush something and chase it and you know do that successfully, that you've kind of thought ahead several steps in terms of where you're taking the dog and the equipment that you've got on the dog with the long line and the harness. But you can't only do that and not do any of this other stuff because that's not going to work. So if you just put a long line on your dog and you just try and avoid game and you... Um, you know, you do all of that basically, but you also want a working gun dog. One day you're going to fall over a pheasant or your dog's going to fall over a pheasant and it's just not going to work anymore. So, so the prevention is great to a certain point, but at some point your dog is going to have their, their sort of genetic instincts awakened and they're going to want to investigate this stuff that they've been bred to find reinforcing. And so your job really is with the training is to be ready to meet them at that moment. So you've got your training all in place and not just rely on prevention. Prevention is really important. And I know that I stress it a lot in the podcast, but by itself, without any of the training stuff, you're not going to get that because remember, you're just creating a behavioral vacuum if you don't teach the dog what to do instead. So it's all very well and good preventing the dog from doing the stuff you don't want them to do. But unless you can teach the dog a replacement behavior to do in that sort of vacuum that happens, then they're just going to relapse into doing the thing that they want to do because there's, you know, they're not, what what do you want them to do instead of chasing? So teach them to do that thing, which is at first to recall away from the game and then to sit or stop and be steady to the game. So teach them to do that thing separately so that you have a replacement behavior to cue and to ask for at this moment. And you're not just kind of hanging onto the long line and preventing the dog physically from doing the thing that you don't want them to do. So I hope that makes sense too. Let's look at my little list. Um, Yeah, I think we've kind of touched on most things. We haven't gone into the details in terms of how to train, for example, the remote stop. If you want to look at how to train the remote stop, I highly recommend the course on my website called Remote Stop. It's a very creative title there. Um, (laughs) But it's on my website, forcefreegundog.com, and it's the remote stop, and that will teach you how to have a dog Stopping or sitting, you can do either. The course shows you how to do either, depending on what is a requirement in your country and for your particular subgroup of gun dog. Um, But it will teach you how to train a remote stop. 
And as I mentioned earlier, there's also the steady course, which is particularly useful for dogs which are expected to hunt before the shot. So for spaniels or for HBRs, the steady course is is really useful as well. And again, there's a discount on my course courses at the moment, 40% off with the code Happy Holidays 2023. So the last thing to say before I go is to tell you where you can go and check out and find more information on this particular subject. So the other episodes on this podcast where I have focused on this issue is quite a few, actually, because as you can imagine, not chasing stuff um, and being steady is, you know, pretty important thing for most gun dogs. So we've we've covered this a lot on the podcast. So here are the episodes that you might want to go and check out. Episodes 5, 23, 49, 51, 57, 58, 62, 76, 87, and 89. I'm not going to say all those again, but those are the episodes that you can go check out. Um, if you do want some more information on how to achieve steadiness around game, how to stop your dog from chasing game, how to get control of your dog in the presence of game. So that's all, everybody. I've managed to do it in about 16 minutes today. I think that is kind of remarkable. Um, <laughs> although I haven't gone into a lot of detail in terms of how to train things. Tomorrow, I'm going to be back again with another episode, this time looking at a retrieving problem. Hold the light.